Role-playing games have had a difficult time getting along with a religion, and specifically American Christians. From the start, there was a disconnect between them. Sadly, misunderstandings in the early 80s started a feud that continues to this day. It's a difficult and sensitive subject, but we will discuss that and more this week on Dungeons & Tangents. So hi, uh, I'm Eric. I'm Ben. And my name is Jake. And today we are going to be talking about a subject that is mildly sensitive, or maybe more than mildly sensitive, and that is uh, religion and role-playing. And I know some people kind of would prefer not to discuss the subject. It can be contentious. Uh, but I'm actually, I'm mostly intrigued by the different perspectives that people bring to the the table, literally. <laughs> uh, and just to, to understand, you know, uh, well, Jake and Ben uh, are, are both here, uh, and, and Robert is not, because they, they both kind of represent some slightly different approaches to um, uh, religion and role-playing and, and how those two things interact with one another. Um, so I thought it would be good to get the three of us together. And I'm just going to be a moderator, effectively, because I, I, I've had very little crossover between role-playing and religion. So it, isn't, it doesn't actually affect me significantly. So I'm just intrigued in uh, your perspectives. Um, I have like a write-up of some history, but I'm not sure if that's... Yeah, I, th I, I, I kind of think it's... it's um, pertinent be a, a jumping off point yeah mm -hmm. absolutely so the, the write-up i have starts in the late 70s um and most of the stuff is if you look up much about D, &D you'll you'll know it but in the late 70s there was um a couple different things going on one of them was the church of satan was established by i can't remember the guy who established the church of satan but l something uh not laverne uh i would know it if i heard it I, I see his face. He's got a shaved head. Mm -hmm. Non-theistic. Uh, something? <laughs> we'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, we'll look it up, and I'll probably forget to put it in the description. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so this guy establishes the Church of Satan, which, in truth, he was effectively just being an anti-establishment. Uh, but he was being a troll about it and being like, let's An all... Anton LaVey. Oh, that LeVay, sounds familiar. Yeah. Thank nice. you, Internet. <laughs> so <laughs> he establishes the Church of Satan, which gets a bunch of people upset about that. Um, and then right around the same time, or shortly thereafter, uh, we have the incident with James Dallas Egbert III, where he goes missing a um, media... Tom Hanks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> later played by Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, a a kind of media fervor is kicked off by an uh, a um, private investigator who was hired to find James Dallas Egbert, um, and he did not find James Dallas Egbert to begin with, but he discovered evidence of him playing D and D, and said this disappearance has something to do with satanic rituals involving this game, effectively. 
so there was there was this establishment of a cult being a kind of a, a a thing that's happening and he connects this game which has you know fantasy elements to it uh to the occult and to this disappearance and then there are a series of um books uh so the, the, that actual event happened in 79 i believe uh, by 81, there was a fictionalized account called Mazes and Monsters. By 82, there was a Tom Hanks movie uh, about it. By 84, William Deere, the uh, private investigator, had written his own personal account of the whole thing. And in, also in 84, we get Dark Dungeons, the religious... Uh, chick track? Yeah, the chick track. The, the, the Christian educational pamphlet talking about how D&D leads one to suicide and the occult. Um, and I should say that James Dallas Egbert was presumed to have killed himself uh, in his disappearance. Later, it was found out he did not kill himself, and then later he did kill himself. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. Um, so that's kind of that's that was the lead up that I had, and you know, in the in the '80s there was this big fervor about the occult uh, and things being kind of anti-Christian, uh, things like um, Ozzy Osbourne, um, heavy metal in general. Um, if you have big hair and you wear uh, makeup and you're a guy, then you're probably a Satanist. <laughs> Who knows? Um, and that. Uh, both kind of catapulted D and D into the the, the populace's awareness, um, but also gave it this huge um, kind of black eye right out the gate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everybody saw D and D as <clears throat> something that led to a, a morally corrupt place immediately. Um, so anyway, that that's kind of. That was the the world that I grew up in. I, I know I'm a little bit older than both of you guys. Um, and uh, now, I, I didn't have a very good segue, but now I'm going <laughs> to hand off to Jake. <laughs> uh, right. And take it away if you have any thoughts, and then I have some questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just to kind of, I guess, lay a, a groundwork and a background for myself. Um, yeah. I am uh, formally trained as a director of Christian education in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, or a, uh, a DCE in the LCMS Church, if you want to be real casual about it. <laughs> uh, what does I've, DCE stand for? Uh, director of Christian Education. Okay. And the, uh, the LCMS is definitely on the f- significantly more conservative end of the Lutheran branches, mm-hmm. um, both uh, theologically and uh, socially. Now, over the last few years, I have distanced myself somewhat uh, from the LCMS, uh, just through some different personal circumstances and what have you. But um, but, but you have that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which I think is very valuable in this discussion. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I definitely still consider myself more or less aligning with their theology. The uh, Some of the social aspects of it are uh, not ideal. <laughs> so Fair enough. Um, and then I guess just to give a couple uh, kind of quick examples of my history with kind of the satanic panic and <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons in my own life, uh, I've been interested in Dungeons and Dragons since I was about seven or eight years old. I'm 26 wow. now, uh, but I didn't actually play D&D until I was 19, maybe 20 huh. even, because um, I was told that it was a 
very Satanist thing, and it would bring you to the dark side, and, you know, I, I didn't want to disappoint my parents as a child, and then I didn't really have any exposure to it until significantly later in life. Um, and then I've also been told in different uh, roles at camps and what have you that I uh, should not play D&D even in my off time because mm. it could, you know, uh, be offensive to other people who we were working with in uh, mm. some of those ministerial uh, relationships, um, which kind of ground my gears a little bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of <laughs> where I'm coming from uh, initially and i'm sure we'll get more into it as we go yeah and I, actually that's exactly what i was going to start with was asking you what's your background and then uh to ben um well uh i mean i grew up in south carolina mm-hmm. which is a very conservative state in general uh like there's there's lots of i mean there's plenty of uh evangelical christians uh um, I mean, I, I didn't grow up necessarily in that sort of environment though. Sure. My parents were not originally from there. Mm. Um, but I was born there and raised there and lived, lived there, um, you know, from, uh, up until I left college. So oh, okay. you went to college there too. Yep. Oh, okay. So, um, but, uh, like, there were lots of kids when I was growing up who weren't allowed to play with Pokemon cards because they Mm -hmm. were satanic. (laughs) They weren't allowed to play with magic cards because they were satanic. There were all sorts of uh, church signs that talked about how you shouldn't go see Harry Potter movies because that's magic (laughs) and that's (laughs) satanic. Um, Like, uh, so... While I didn't necessarily grow up in that in my own home, like I had lots of friends who had mm-hmm. parents that were like that, um, who basically just, you know, in my mind just wouldn't let them have any fun because <laughs> I didn't see it that way. Like I didn't, like my parents took me to church every once in a while, but I didn't go very often. Um, and uh, I, I, I feel like I always bring this story up because I think it's hilarious, but uh, the one time that I went to a Catholic church and took sacrament and, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like this kind of speaks to, uh, where I, where I am now as an adult. Um, th- I went and I, uh, I, I ate the biscuit and then I had the, the blood of Christ. And, uh, about a minute later, I rushed to the restroom to vomit. (laughs) Um, So I guess I don't really know why that stuck in my head so well. (laughs) Because I was really young. I was probably like, I don't know. I was probably like seven or eight. (laughs) Um, But uh, I I did not grow up religious. and while my parents, like, the older they got, the more religious they got. Oh, the older okay. me and my brother got, the less religious we got. Mm. Uh, now we're both pretty much atheists. Oh, okay. So, um, as, far as, as far as D&D goes, I didn't even start playing D&D until college. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, most of the people that I played with were also in college, or they were friends of mine. <laughs> so... 
I didn't really interact with people in religion that much um, while playing D&D, but it came up a little bit, hmm. um, but it was it never became a huge issue. Robert should be here. <laughs> <laughs> he should. He, he really should be in your seat, Ben. Yeah? I'm going to... I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he wants he ba- to. He, no, he doesn't. He... <laughs> Uh, he he may ask me to edit this next section out, <laughs> so I'll leave a pause. Uh-huh. And if there's nothing at the end, if 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 suddenly it's too much, Robert. If, information. if suddenly we jump in time, you'll know that I've said things that Robert doesn't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> but Robert uh, specifically did not want to be in this discussion because he didn't want to say things that would offend people. And that, that's mm-hmm. Robert in a yeah. nutshell. He doesn't he doesn't like to offend people of any sort. And he thought that he, he might mouth off. <laughs> he didn't say as much, but I, mean, I knew. I have a little bit of fear of that as well. But yeah, like I feel like we're all adults. Like I'm not gonna, I'm I'm not gonna try to project anything to any, on anybody else, and I'm not gonna let them make me mad. So it's. Uh, and I guess I, I will give my background relating to religion and D and D and. Uh, my extended family uh, was also uh, the, the same um, Lutheran Missouri Senate uh, as uh, Jake was educated in, um, so I'm aware of it. But my mom like took me to church maybe once a year on average, <laughs> so <laughs> so I effectively grew up agnostic with this belief that God exists somewhere and there's a Bible somewhere, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, however, even even though I grew up agnostic, the, the moral panic and the, the satanic panic still affected me. My mom still believed that D&D was a morally corrupt, corrupting force in the world. And I was... It was at least frowned upon and verbalized that I probably shouldn't play D&D. And she questioned it when I played Magic. And it, it was this sort of, I don't understand. I don't understand. What are you doing? <laughs> so, um, but I know that a lot of her, the, the perspective that she had came from more of a pop culture uh, understanding than a specific uh, religious teaching or belief. Mm-hmm. So, uh, kind of the middle ground. <laughs> and that's what's so, I think, interesting to me about the whole satanic panic uh, and the, the culture around it is that so much of it was done out of unintentional ignorance and a lot of it was done out of the goodness of people's hearts where they didn't want their children to be morally corrupted but that's the only thing they've heard about this game right is that well it's going to make your children satanists and then they're they'll just disappear forever (laughs) and that's horrifying as a parent you don't want that to happen and so even if it's goofy you'd rather bet on the goofy thing that's going to keep your kid a modicum safer (laughs) as opposed to let them take the risk of doing a fun activity yeah um i, I mean i feel like society is always going to try to blame something else like we try to play video video games for <laughs> terrible things that happen you know like yeah. there will always be something that somebody tries to blame and then it was D before we really had a huge huge video game <laughs> uh it's funny i found a meme on uh on the interwebs like uh a few weeks ago and uh i knew this discussion was coming up so i decided to save it uh 
It uh, so it reads uh, fundamentalist fear mongering video. This dungeon master is giving complete control, and players must do whatever dark things are demanded of them. <laughs> Real DM, please just just cross the river. You've all tried to seduce the catfish, and it didn't work. I am begging you. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely love this picture. Uh, like, I feel like it so well encapsulates the the fear of what you don't know, and the reality that we've all experienced with role playing games is significantly different than the dark, uh, twisted, horrifying things that we were told that it might be <laughs> growing yeah. up. Uh, and yet, uh, we all had a lot of fun with it. And we've all grown in friendships, relationships. We've all done more math. <laughs> I don't know it uh, and I feel like that's the biggest thing that I take away from the satanic panic phenomena is talking about things that we haven't experienced can be really Mm. dangerous Uh, and thankfully we live in the the age of the internet where we can go and watch a video read an article really dig in Um, I think we were talking a few weeks ago on one of the first episodes I was on but uh, you know in the mid 70s you really didn't have ready access to the internet you had no. a piece of paper in your church hallway and if it said D&D is just the worst that's probably coming from someone who's done more research than you are capable of doing just from lack of resources and that may be the only information that you mm-hmm. have about D&D is that either that pamphlet on the wall or an article that was written <clears throat> in Time Magazine about how role playing games exist and their the, the, this thing that might be connected to Satanism might be connected to suicide mm-hmm. or murder. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, even when I was in when I started playing in college, one of my friend's parents uh, thought that he had to dress up as part yeah. of playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> There's exactly one time I've dressed up for D&D. It's because we all decided, you know, we should probably dress up at some point. We've been playing for five years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's fine if you want to do that, but it's just like, that's like there that's in no way a necessity at all. Like, I don't know. Like, it makes me think that they thought it was like LARPing, something, yeah. something mm-hmm. completely different. And like, they weren't. They didn't think it was some satanic thing. Like, clearly he was playing it. He was an adult. But, like... But there was ignorance involved. Yeah, there was some <laughs> sort of ignorance in I, involved in what actually went on. And I, like, when before I started playing, I didn't know what went on either. And when I heard, like, oh, there's not a board, like, how do you play it? <laughs> yeah. um, and then that I played it. That confused me, too. And then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. <clears throat> no, I played it, and then I was still confused. Because <laughs> it was just a bunch of us sitting around, and the DM was talking, and I was like, how is this a game? We're just talking. <laughs> how is this scary? It's a I'm, game of the imagination. When, when does this become magical? <laughs> And then five hours later, you're swinging on a rope, killing a goblin. Or <laughs> <laughs> still trying to cross that bridge. <laughs> I mean, when that catfish gives you the big eyes, you just, you got to try, you know, you got to roll your dice. <laughs> um, I guess the other thing that's really fascinating to me is the prevalence of chick tracks specifically, because there's like, what, six, eight, 12 a little bastards running around and there's the chick dark, tracks yeah or i mean i oh. guess that's dnd specific chick tracks oh i didn't know there were that many mm-hmm. there's a ton oh. there's a whole story about I've like i've only seen the dark dungeon one 
Yeah, uh, it was Darkest Dungeon, and then I think there's a bunch of like sub episodes of that one where they follow different characters. <laughs> there's a Darkest Dungeon movie, which is a bonkers watch. Oh, I've seen that. Oh man, this, that is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but it's fascinating to me that he has this whole idea of what D&D is that doesn't at all line up with our own lived experience of playing D&D. However, if you look at some of the frames in those uh, comics, there is a surprising awareness of yeah. what, how D&D works. There's a, there's a DM screen. There are the kind of snacks that you have <laughs> when you're playing D&D. There's like soda and chips and... Polyhedral dice everywhere. Right, and, and character sheets. Dude somehow did his homework and knew how D&D worked. <laughs> uh, I mean, and so I've, I've also played like a bunch of... Like I've played Call of Cthulhu a handful of times too, and that's much more about the occult and much more closer <laughs> to being satanic. But even that, like ultimately what I'm doing is I'm sitting around a table with a bunch of my friends and and shooting the shit like we're just mm-hmm. making jokes and like <laughs> as serious as they try as the dm might try to make it it never ends up being serious does every dm try to be serious i don't i don't mm. as a as a wise man once said every d and d session starts as lord of the rings and right. ends as the holy grail yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i guess i guess then it is the job of the dm to try to keep it serious Mm-hmm. but accept that it won't. <laughs> and I think the, as kind of a tangent, the thing that I've noticed is that being serious takes work. Goofing around doesn't. And so yeah, for a true. lot of people, unless you have that excess energy and time to burn being serious, mm-hmm. they just want to blow hmm. off steam when they're playing. Yeah, it makes more sense than any other explanation I've ever had. <laughs> huh, I'll I take mean, it. <laughs> I mean, I think seriousness is fine, but like... Ultimately, everybody's there to have fun, and if there's any one person in, in that group who's not having fun because everybody else is oh, trying to be true. too serious, mm-hmm. then like it's gonna devolve into people making dick jokes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind <laughs> dick jokes as long as it's in character. <laughs> <laughs> the lowest common dick joke denominator. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess kind so, of an. I guess amusing anecdote to me is I uh, I was in California working with a church that had a very uh, small population of youth. Um, specifically, when I started, they had one. Oh um, wow! And so you know, I I usually worked with teenagers, and they had a lot of kids under the age of like five. And so, as part of my kind of recruitment effort and attempts to build a youth group, I actually leveraged Dungeons and Dragons as a <laughs> recruiting and activity uh, mechanism to. Uh, kill time, spend time with the kids, uh, just kind of get to know them better, be in their lives more often, um, and kind of meet them and their friends. Was that on the down low or was that like approved? Yeah, no, I actually, I got church funding. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if they're aware of it or not, but the SCMS directly funded Dungeons and Dragons, uh, gameplay at one That's point. Cool. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, and eventually due to some, you know, external circumstances, we got like five or six sessions in and then it kind of petered out a little bit. Hmm. But what was that striking happens. to me is even just in, I think we had uh, 90 minute sessions and in five hmm. 90 minute sessions, talking about nothing in particular i felt like i got a really good understanding for who these kids were what they had going on in their life and that's what was so endearing to me about D as a whole is that it's a great mechanism by which you can build a community but not have to just sit and talk about yourself the whole time Mm -hmm. you have this external mechanism that you can pay attention to and pour time into and you don't have to be on 
the whole time. And so I feel like the church almost missed out to some degree as far as leveraging the interpersonal uh, building that goes on in a group of people playing role-playing games. Um, And it's a shame that we, back in the 70s, couldn't take that and run with it in a more positive direction instead of more fear-mongering. Yeah, I mean, like, I've I've watched uh, videos and stuff where more and more people are trying to use uh, tabletop RPGs for kids to help treat kids who have like autism or like helping them open up yeah, yeah. Um, because they have such a hard time just you know directly speaking to someone about it you know when they get to make their own character mm-hmm. uh, they get to develop them they get to talk about them they get excited uh, doing things with them that they wouldn't normally be able to do um, or be comfortable talking about in front of other people mm-hmm. like I think that's great like the the it's it's really strange to me that that like you said the church kind of uh alienated themselves from that whole idea because it could have it could have really helped them and it almost feels like it was not the fault of any individual or any organization it was just sort of this herd mentality thing. It was like somebody screamed fire and everybody ran out of the building. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. On more of a philosophical note, it almost kind of makes you wonder what things do we freak out about right now that we don't have to. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Muslims, (laughs) probably Republicans. (laughs) We are in Portland. It's (laughs) Uh, also liberals. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I, I, I had three questions for each of you. I think we, we covered kind of giving your backgrounds, um, both, uh, your background and, and how did you experience religion growing up and how did you experience D and D growing up? Mm-hmm. And then how did those two things cross over? Uh, I think I'm out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Did we already cover all of the questions? We did, actually. I mean, well, I, I guess, Ben, you didn't talk much about if if you ever had any either direct or indirect conflict between role-playing games and uh, either religion itself or people's beliefs. Not particularly. Like, I played with some people who were religious, and occasionally, like, people would, you know, you could tell that they were a little bit uncomfortable, but it never became, like, a huge deal because, you know, again, like, we were mostly friends with all of these people. There's never a moment where we're just going to, you know, shit all over somebody else's beliefs. Um, uh, I think it's really interesting, you know how many options it, that and you know how much uh fluff it goes into when talking about religion in D D. like there's all of these <laughs> different pantheons all of these gods and then to play those games with uh people who are like staunchly religious and then like choosing these things like it doesn't affect them at all like yeah (laughs) at least in my experience it didn't affect them at all um not a lot of lathandar worshipers floating around (laughs) these days (laughs) so and 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 uh, i guess one thing though about D &D, i guess that could potentially be offensive too is that like 
a lot of the times those gods are very real. Yeah. Like, it's not like there's there's some idea. It's not like they're out in the ether. Like maybe they exist, maybe they don't. It's not no, they're, like they they like oh I'm gonna perform this miracle, but I'm not gonna talk about it. It's like no, I'm physically right in front of you, or I exist on another plane, which I can see. Uh, I I. I'm going to back up for a second. So while I am not particularly religious uh, and don't have a lot of background in religion, my wife effectively uh, could be a pastor. She, <laughs> she, uh, uh, she's, she's not religious, but she, um, she got quite an education uh, in Bible studies uh, during high school and college. And so she's educated me on a lot of things and it crap. What was my point? Uh, gods are real in D and D. So gods being real in D and D and showing their existence flies in the face of one of the most core concepts of Christianity, which is faith—the <laughs> belief in something without it being in your face, telling you that it's real. And the, those two concepts are, are are at odds with one another. So it it could be a play, a point of contention. Um. But it's a fantasy. I mean, that, that's my perspective. Mm-hmm. This is a fantasy. The The whole point is uh, the Bible itself has stories of God saying things directly to people and showing his face and saying, hey, Job, uh, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> or, hey, Moses, uh, I got something for you. <laughs> well, and what's interesting is there's so much... Uh, common language for uncommon ideas where you can talk about like you know a god in D&D and you can talk about god in the Christian theology and the thing that you mean is significantly different but we unfortunately share a word mm-hmm. it's true. I, I feel I, I can't help but wonder if that's a part of it where because we have a forced shared vocabulary there even though those ideas are very disparate from one another does that cause the contention of saying like, ah, yes, Lathandar, the God, we're not talking about like, you know, the sun God who exists in this reality. We're not trying to make a theological claim by saying your made up character cast a spell based on this God's magic who lives in the realm of magic in the realm of the gods, what have you. And that is therefore a direct competition with Christianity and the Christian theology. But if those terms aren't defined and if those ideas aren't calmly and carefully expressed to one another by understanding parties, that can cause a lot of strife. Hmm. So you're saying, let me see if, if I understand that God and D and D all, I mean, there's these, there's huge sets of pantheons. There's not just one pantheon. There's like, mm-hmm. there's like the forgotten <laughs> realms, the gray Hawk, the, Planescapes. There's I don't know how many. And uh, there's only Forgotten Realms. Okay, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I can I can respect that. <laughs> there is only one pantheon of gods. <laughs> uh, so they do not. Those gods are by their nature different than the god that Christianity talks about, or that Judaism or Islam talk about. All of those religions are describing. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I, I don't want to walk too too blindly into this because I I am not educated in in uh, 
uh, theology, but I understand that, that God is defined by a, a certain definition that, that I can't come up with off the top of my head, but the gods in D&D I can define because they are, they have uh, physical aspects, they have powers that are specific to them, they have uh, domains of magic that are specific to them, they, they, they exist in a very uh, compartmentalized way. Whereas the god of Islam, Judaism, uh, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, well, okay, Hinduism's got a couple gods, but <laughs> <laughs> all of those gods kind of exist in a different way. They, they, are, they, are not, um, they are not boxed in because they represent the entirety of reality. Mm-hmm. Not well, an aspect of reality, no, I feel except like, in Hinduism. <laughs> I feel like it could be argued, though, for the, within this fantasy realm, yeah. that that mm-hmm. the believers of that fantasy of that particular god, to them, like in some cases, that might be the only god, and all these other people oh, are full of shit. Right. Like, oh yeah, I've seen this guy right in front of my face, but like, <laughs> whatever, my god's the only god that that's real. Like that guy's just some phony. He's just pr- a pretend god. Like, hmm. Love no, go fuck herself. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen her out of the underdark in decades. <laughs> um, and I, I think we're. I think that's exactly it too. Is that like Dungeons and Dragons was never made to be taken seriously? <laughs> no, like, not really. The the theologies of these like, and shockingly well developed theologies of these made up gods and goddesses unfortunately use the same word god that so many religions which expect seriousness and sobriety (laughs) we have to share that word (laughs) and if we didn't i can't help but wonder if the satanic panic would have never happened because if you can show someone this is a completely made up thing that we do not give real credence to like i'm not going to go live my life by the the rule of loth would that, by the nature of the word, have a separate linguistically deterministic outcome than what we got? Well, hmm. in some games, the people will worship Greek or Roman gods, and at some yeah. point, those were followed, <laughs> though. So, yeah. And a lot of the pantheon is based on the <laughs> older multi-theistic uh, religions of Earth, <laughs> of our reality. So... So I guess my point is, like, I don't know, in my mind at least, I don't know how separate the two are. But mm. but even then... But the, I can see how they... But, like, the Greek and... Ro- well, there's a whole theological rabbit hole we could chase that down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? Why not? Yeah. Worst comes to worst, we can always cut things. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably be cutting whatever I said about Robert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess from the the... The learning that I've done and from the, the Christian perspective, so I'll give those disclaimers up front, but yes, like please. looking at uh, Baal, for instance, who was one of the early non-Hebrew gods that were exposed to mm-hmm. in the uh, Jewish scriptures, was originally worshipped as a fertility god by people in the ancient Near East. Um, and the thing with Baal is that there were two primary forms of worship. One was all gender everybody in the pool orgies and one was child sacrifice and so (laughs) because there was that child sacrifice element the hebrew people really shoved away from that and 
incorporated a lot of that into the negative theology that they saw for these mm-hmm. other uh, peoples and religions. Use that um, as an example of mm-hmm. of oh. what not to do. Yeah, which is a common thing in in early uh, Jewish teachings. Is, is it's a very here's what not mm-hmm. to do. Absolutely, and I guess to kind of contradict my original point is that. From a theological perspective, arguably neither the Old Testament nor New Testament denies that there are other gods, powers, principalities, what? and spiritual beings what? out in the world. Um, which is, I actually did not know that. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it, something that's completely oh. outside of mainline Christian theology. Which is funny because what is it? Uh, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Is which that, mm-hmm, which necessitates that there be other gods that could be before true. the one god. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but because we have such a very strong cultural theology of there is only one God, all the rest are false, mm. which, again, not scriptural, uh, depending <laughs> on your interpretation and your yeah. denomination. But um, from the Old Testament perspective, Baal is a very real force who could provide fertility services as long as you're willing to have gigantic orgies with all your neighbors <laughs> and sacrifice your children. So, I mean... <laughs> what if you sacrifice your neighbor's children? Oh, it doesn't count then. That just oh. won't work. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You want to be fertile to have kids, so you kill your own kids? You got to have extras floating around. Okay. <laughs> you got to spin kids to make kids. Okay. Like, that makes sense. <laughs> if there's any ball worshippers out there and I got things wrong, please <laughs> write in, let us know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I guess the the interesting point there then becomes... If there are other gods in the world from that more, uh, I, I don't even know what word, that different theology that's not the mainline modern Christian theology, then all of a sudden Dungeons and Dragons takes on a significantly more sinister tone. Hmm. But my caveat to all this is I don't know that there was the theological verisimilitude required to really correlate that thought process with the satanic panic. No, no, I, I, I don't think so at all. Uh, just my opinion, but my opinion based on uh, the research I've done in the history of the Satanic Panic is that it was more reactionary than it was um, well-researched. It, mm-hmm. it was sort of, and, and I don't even think it started from a religious point of view. I think it started from more of a pop culture point of view, that mm-hmm. it was... Um, People heard about the Church of Satanism and were like, oh, that sounds like an absolutely crazy idea that I don't want anyone I know to be anywhere near, and especially nobody who's in my family, and especially not my kids. <laughs> let's not learn a single thing about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's, let's keep that. That just sounds nutty crazy. Like you took hippies from, the, you know, this is the 70s when this is happening. <laughs> this is like you took hippies and gave them knives and the ability to slaughter things. And, <laughs> ah, let's all run away. Um, <clears throat> so the, you, you put that in anyone's mind, the, the idea of these completely against the norm ideas, uh, specifically against the norm ideas, which, of course, the hippies and the entire social revolution of, of the 60s was just as frightening to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you put it directly at odds with religion, and then uh, you, you put a game into the universe that is connected only vaguely 
and with the cover didn't help the big no. idol with the glowing eyes <laughs> yeah oh terrible terrible <laughs> iconic beautiful but dumb choice <laughs> and, it, and it was really just a matter of coincidence that you you have these two things happen near the same time mm -hmm. and people just kind of like put them together and say oh these are the same thing it wasn't a well hey gary gygax can we sit down and talk about your pantheon because in 79 they had just put out the, like the first module that talked about gods mm -hmm. the pantheons didn't really exist until 79 and 79 is when this all got kicked off so it wasn't like there was actually a clash directly between the christian ideals and the uh the the pantheon that is now a mature pantheon in D anD. d mm -hmm. At the time, it was effectively just, ah, eh, here's some stuff that I read in some some mythology books and put <laughs> together and renamed some gods and threw it out at you guys. <laughs> uh, and uh, when Gary Gygax and uh, what was it? it? It was like two or three people at TSR were told about the um the the moral panic as it started like people getting upset about this they were like are you kidding they literally laughed when they were first told about this like are you kidding this is ridiculous it's just a game <laughs> and they didn't take it seriously at all and and this was uh, i think somebody asked them if they would remove demons from uh the monster manual and they're like are you kidding it's just a game it's like we're not going to take the, the giant hat out of Monopoly just because it's, <laughs> it, it's ridiculously large hat and it just doesn't make any sense. It is dangerously close to the sorting hat, though. So, I mean, we really should consider... <laughs> Absolutely kidding. It, 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 you know, it looks like a magic... I don't know. <laughs> looks like a magician's hat. It's probably pushing some sort of agenda. <laughs> and just shaking his head. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm grasping it at, yeah. at ridiculously yeah. thin straws. Uh, but they didn't take it seriously, and um, and I'm not sure that most of society takes it very seriously now either. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. So here's the big question. Uh oh. What is the takeaway from the oh, satanic panic? How do we change our lives based on the lessons we've learned from the past? Because I think the first uh, one is don't fear the unknown. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, everyone goes through the constant cycle of fearing the unknown. Which is, <laughs> like, I, I feel like we can't escape that. But yeah. Well, <laughs> I would say it's be cautious, but be aware. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. it's okay to be afraid. I was afraid of D&D before I played it, and most of that was probably my mom telling me, it's cause <laughs> it's a scary thing. But it's it's like, sure, if, if you you hear a weird sound in your house, and you're like, oh, shit, there's, like, something in my closet, and you go over to your closet, you're going to be cautious. But you're not going to be like, let me go get my shotgun and shoot everything in my house. At least you really shouldn't. <laughs> Are you just I've, you just never open the closet and you just throw the whole dresser out? Okay. Yeah, I just. <laughs> yeah, no, I do you know how many closet doors I go through every week? It, it's staggering. <laughs> um. Yeah. So is that our takeaway? I, Shoot things. Yeah, I think I think the takeaway is with a shotgun. Yeah, go through as many closet doors as you need to uh, 
put down the monsters that lurk in the unknown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's, it's funny. There is a direct allegory in D&D for the unknown. We're co- like the D&D itself is a, a constant exploration, finding things that are frightening and confronting them and dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that is exactly what the moral panic was. If only, only, if only those people who were scared of D&D had played D&D. So that they could- <laughs> right. So they, they, they had the tools to be able to open the door or kick down the door and kill the goblins. I think that's a good place to stop. Dang. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Game on. That was right. pretty solid. Beauty. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Next episode will be a true tangent. We'll step away from the world of D&D and discuss the strange, strange nature of the universe of Pokemon. If you have comments or suggestions for future episodes, reach out to us on Twitter at Dungeon underscore Tangent. Or go to our website, dungeonsandtangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.